Hey, welcome back to Pints and Perspectives, a podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church, where we believe there's a plethora of theological perspectives and plenty of beer to go around. There's a tear in my beer. Come on, do you know this one? Uh, of course. And I'm crying for you, dear. What's the, what's the next line? Oh, I don't know. Oh, gosh. Anyways, I actually I have no idea why that song came to my mind. Tear in my beer. Yeah. You know, my sister would say that all country songs could be summed up in either drinking or yeah. I lost my woman. Yeah. Or like something or someone died. Yeah. Or maybe a tra- sadness, alcohol, <clears throat> shot my dog, you know, just nonsense. Some sort of like farming scenario. Yep. Which, shout out. Rodeo time. Um, Tis true. Uh, and I guess. H time. Hopefully this won't come out after, the, rodeo. after rodeo because the next time we do it, there are some local Houston breweries that have some rodeo labels. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have on here. If you listen from somewhere other than Houston, first of all, thank you. Second of all, uh, you've probably picked up on the fact that those of us that are from Houston in the general Houston area color uh-huh. uh are very proud of that uh-huh. some would say to an unhealthy uh degree we wear it like a badge of honor hell yeah look at my hat i got this hat it's like a custom hat it just says houston there's no brand there's no yeah. label it just has an h and an h-o-u and we know houston's the greatest city in texas and with, without a doubt and it's not the funnest city I, i'll give you that Texas is the only place where people from Texas go worldwide. And when they go, where are you from? They say Texas. Texas. <laughs> it's like, we love you, America. Yeah. Truly, truly. I mean, obviously. But I, we seceded once. Check yourself. No, I'm, I'm not in the pro secession. Uh, Me camp either. Anymore. But that is the. But, but, that, but that's the persona that we project to people because it's a different we pride. refer to ourselves yes. as not the United States. We're from Texas. That is correct. It is different here. We are it from is, Texas. It is different so, here. So and yaddy and, yaddy hoo ha. Yaddy yaddy hoo. <laughs> yaddy yaddy hoo ha. Uh, that's right. Still messing with these buttons. And uh, speaking of Texas, there is um, always a Texas theme to. The beers that are on Pints and Perspectives. It does appear that way. Not um, always, because, not yeah, but most of the time. Also, it's like what's uh, most available in the grocery store. <laughs> like, yeah. We have so many breweries these days, especially it's in Houston true. in particular, that it's like, true. Every, like you, you, any, yeah, all the Texas stuff is all it's over the true. shelves. So what are, we, true. what are we drinking? What are you drinking? Well, so, Adam has one that I'm kind of interested in. Hey. It's uh, from the Spossel Brewery in Shiner, Texas. It is the 1909 Heritage Lager. Our f- and you might be wondering, 1909, what happened in 1909 in Texas history? And that was the first question I asked myself. But thankfully, the fine folks uh, in Shiner have answered that question for us uh, on the label itself. And it says, our founding year, 1909. Think about that. 1909? Oh, it's over 100 years old. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, so that is this beer. It is the heritage multiple generations longer. It's a light beer. Uh, let's see. What do we got? 4.5%. Yep. 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 Uh, by volume. Um, it's a lager. It is the lager since 1909. The expert brewers in China, Texas have been crafting exceptional beers inspired by our German and Czech founders to honor their legacy. We've brewed this heritage lager using only the same simple ingredients they used in 1909. Heritage two-row barley, 
is paired with noble hops. Churro. Yeah. With noble hops for a delightful, flavorful, and perfectly balanced lager with a smooth, refreshing finish. A fitting tribute to over a century of brewing tradition. I bet this would be uh, so effing tasty with a nice brat with like stone ground mustard. I think that's going to be your everyday run-of-the-mill beer. <laughs> American two-row malt is like the premier filler malt here in America. Like it's the malt that everybody just puts to fill grain space. Look, man, um, this beer is admittedly from the label basic AF. Yeah. That, it, that is what it says it is. Yep. And well, they about to do it because they <laughs> use the most basic AF malt. I mean, it's going to be American two-row. It, like, it, lots of Pilsner malts. You'll have, like, 30% Pilsner malt and, like, you know, 70% American two-row. It, like, it really oh, is wow, just, really? just a filler malt. Like, it, yeah. So Noble hop, so, on the other hand, is um, a noble hop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm doing applause and laughter at the same time because it was just that good. Uh, yeah, uh, but, but, but Noble Hops is great. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, look, I can kind of even see it. It's going to be basic. It's going to have the viscosity of water. It's going to be real basic in flavor. Basic AF. Yeah. Uh, H-Town Brewery, Eureka Heights. Hey, uh, in the I hood. have uh, a hop seed. Uh, hop Speed yeah. India Pale Ale. It's yeah. called the Space Train. Yeah. 5.5% ABV. Yeah. So, um, is this a seasonal? I think this might be a seasonal. I, I think I had this a year ago. Where'd you buy this at? Uh, I don't know. HEB? Yeah, that's a grocery store. No, Kroger. Uh, Kroger. Eureka. It was convenient. Well, I only asked because Eureka is in the neighborhood and you can, you know, walk in there and buy these. Um, yeah. I want to tell a story about this beer, but I don't know if it's true. You had this one? <laughs> I well, that's what I'm trying to look up to see if it's Space Train. Nah, I think it's a. I seasonal. don't know if it's a seasonal. On the can, it says, "Have you ever wanted to go to space? Do you like trains a little too much? Do you know what hops are? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then hop on board this sessionable. Yeah, India it's a session pale ale. Yeah, okay, okay, it is. It is their session. It is year-round. It is uh, 5.5% alcohol yep. volume. I think I got really, really... What's its IBUs? Uh, uh, 65, so, you oh, know. Yeah. Uh, I think I got really, really trashed on this. Um, I had a crawfish boil benefiting my kid's school uh, a year ago. At a boy. So uh, that, it, was, it was hosted at Eureka Heights, like in Eureka Heights. So uh, oh. it was like a crawfish competition where we set up like 12 different groups um good day 30 bucks as much as you could eat shout out to the neighborhood anyways uh so i would uh, i can't wait to hear what you think about this well apparently you liked it <laughs> look I, that, that's not that's not even necessarily true just because i drank a ton of it while eating crawfish and raising money like you that were at a brewery you could have had your choice of any beer on the menu but but it's but it's uh low abv and crisp enough because it was crawfish yeah, I guess. And I think I think it was actually that one and whatever their um, uh, always Mexican love, style beer is. Yeah, I always love, I was just fixing to say, I always love like a Taco Tuesday or some kind of sea salt and lime beer when I mean. Hey, the neighborhood. 
<laughs> we'll cut that out. That'll be a bleep. That'll be a bleep. <laughs> oh my god! I just started having an offline conversation yeah. on the camera. That'll uh, be a bleep. Anyways, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, we're drinking beer. Cheers, buddy. Hey, cheers. Quite the grass flavor. Interesting. That's not a con. That's a comment. No, no, that's no. A, I get that's it. That's a notation I get of it. flavor. Dude, I did myself such a huge disservice. I told you it was going to be basic. No, I had. So we were obviously, if you listen, you know, but uh, we record these in two sitting batches and uh, I just finished a 9%, 9% strong ABV. ale. You didn't drink all of it though. I drank every drop of Did that you beer. really? <laughs> Adam never <laughs> finishes his beer. <laughs> I drank every drop of that beer and it had, cause it had four hops, four malts, 9%. I drank, I drank every drop cause it was so good. And now I have this 4% <laughs> water. <laughs> it tastes like sour water. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, I, y'all, yeah. you know, Again, I think I've said this on a previous episode of Pints and Perspectives. It's worth saying again. Shiner, just do what we love. Make your Bach. Just, yeah, stop trying to get cute we, with it. I will drink Shiner Bach all night. Hey, yo, shout. I like the light blonde it's on occasion. Right. It's on right. occasion. It's right. But the regular Bach, I just. Oh, it the is, Bach. It was, it's it, perfected. Leave it alone. Like, it y'all was don't need my else. label. I, I, I love it. I would buy. A 12-pack of Shiner Bach every time I went to the grocery store. It's, like, I didn't care how much was in the fridge. Yeah. I was getting a 12-pack every time I went to the grocery store uh, for years. Yeah. It, is, it is a fantastic, everyday, run-of-the-mill label, your label beer. Um, it tastes like Texas. Yeah, I think I, <laughs> yeah, that's a fair way to put One it. One time? I think it's a great beer. So I used to... Um, sorry, I've told two-way stories. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, all right. You didn't give us any thoughts on Space Train. Well, I haven't yet because I'm waiting on you to rate your basic Oh, God. Uh, um, five. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that might be generous if I'm guessing. Um, this. Yeah. Can you pull it up on their website so yeah. I can read about it? Because I would say... That now this is a preferred like hop flavor variant that I enjoy, but I taste grass. Oh, the cans are limited. Okay, look. So uh, it is year round, but only at the brewery. The cans, oh, the cans the are cans not always circulated. Not always that makes being sense. Circulated. Okay, got it. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking at the hops. I don't Eldorado hops might be. Well, in Mosaic, yeah. those are both pretty... Yeah, Centennial. Well, yeah, those are all pretty run-of-the-mill hops. I'm not sure why. It must be Magnum or... As, no, I know Azaka. That's not a familiar hop. Um, oh, Experimentals. Maybe that's where it is. Hey, look. Look at the grains. Two I row. told you American Two Row is the number one filler malt. It's yeah. in a lot of IPAs that are American-style IPAs because it doesn't have a lot of hop or a lot of malt base, right. which, as I told you... Um, over here on this side of the pond, right. we like to experiment more, more with hops and then malts. And over there, um, in Europe and on the other side of the pond, they experiment more with malts and yeast. I mean, this beer is good. 
as far as loggers go, I mean, loggers have a place. Some people love loggers. So. Yeah. Um, mine, I don't, the. It's a basic IPA. It's also a session. So low ABV. So, well, well, it's, you know, it's kind of high for a session. It's five and a half. Yeah, I guess. I mean, sessions should be f- sub five. Yeah. I, the, the, the question. I mean, because you could get a regular IPA at around five and a half, five point eight. Let me ask you this: Have you ever wanted to go to space? No. Have you? Do you like trains too much? No. But I guess you do know what hops is. I do know what hops is. So I if you answered yes to any of these questions, I should try it. And hop I did. on board this fruity. Do, um, would, would you call it fruity? They they listed it. They no. Uh, no. As fruity. Yeah. No. Well, it's not fruity. Um. I like the can art. Can I dope? Um, I don't know. I think I'm probably in, uh, at six, eight. It just, it's basic. Yeah. Yeah. It's the two row, I think. It's, well, and look, excuse me. If you're going to have basic malt in your, in your IPA, I definitely want some flair with your hop. If you're not going to give me that, well, I want an adjunct. Well, most I mean, of the time a stone fruit, especially in a session, and they six. didn't give me any. So they did give you six different hop varieties. That is quite a bit. But you know what? That that's not super helpful because they probably didn't give me increased amounts of yeah. hops. They just gave me a variety of the same sure. amount in the session recipe, which just made it kind of taste like grass. Um, it, this beer was launched at the beginning of Eureka time so august 2016 uh, so it is it is from the beginning uh it pairs great with uh tacos stargazing astronaut training which i'm betting astronauts who are in training to be astronauts are not drinking i think so uh and alien encounters according to eurekaheights.com so um cool shout out to west 18th street in the h Doing it big time across the street from my uh, now favorite coffee shop. So yeah, okay. Did we rate beers? Did we invite the people to uh, subscribe and share and like and uh, tell us how they feel about this sound? Spooky. It's a dark sound. That's the sound we should use for the deep. It's the sound that we use for. Um, well, I don't know. We'll just see what comes to me. Proceed. Let's talk okay. about the Bible or whatever. Yeah, so last episode, and I haven't listened to it back, but more than likely, um, I'm going to more want than likely to we have once again proven an apology. Oh, that I probably didn't communicate it as well as I wanted to because there's so much I want to talk about in that threefold parallel storytelling of Genesis one through eleven. Okay, I really do think the sexual element of chapter three or the end of two, three combined with the sexual element of Noah in nine Uh really is kind of a bookend piece of the second piece of that narrative Okay, uh, that I don't think I highlighted well. So bear with me. It was an hour long episode and trying to fit a lot of content in that I intend to write a book about one day. Um, I did not communicate it probably as clearly as wanted to, but The main premise of that, and the reason I spent so much time on it, is because that is the foundational pieces 
of what I will later argue is my narrative theology, which we'll probably make this the next series that we do on here is about narrative theology and kind of how to do it. We've done something in the past on narrative theology, but uh, I think it might be helpful. So the Genesis 1 through 11 threefold storytelling is most important because it lays a foundation of the pursuit of power. The misappropriation of the attempt to be like God in pursuit of power in the wrong way and doing the wrong thing mm -hmm. because you've chosen to pursue it that way. And so as it lays that mythical, to use that word again, mythical foundation, the story picks up with Abraham. Abram. Abram. Mm -hmm. Abram. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, Abram becomes the father of many sons. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them. What? And so are you. So let's all praise the Lord, right hand, left hand. Good. Colin, sorry. So. Father Abraham shows up on scene and he gets this promise that he will have sons as numerous as the sands of the seashore and the stars of the sky, mm. which, as Adam so likes to remind us, the Webb telescope is great. That's um, right. That is correct. Go Google it. James E. Webb telescope images. And it has shown us that there are more stars than we could have imagined previously because yeah. every time we build a new telescope yeah. big enough to see more, we see more of them. Yeah. Um, and we know no end to them. So why is that dark? Why is that bad? <laughs> why You see, Cullen labeled these. I would not label that dark. I would label it as uh, Twilight Zone. Like eerie? Mysterious. Eerie. Eerie. As in the lake. Proceed. And Cullen still labeled it. <laughs> okay, so, so he gets this covenant from God that God is going to rebuild the earth, per se, the, the covenant after Noah, yeah. right? Because really, the first covenant you get is with the man and the woman in the garden, which we now call Adam and Eve. The Edemic covenant. Yes, the Edemic covenant. Oh, sorry, Edenic covenant. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Edenic. Yeah, Edenic. Well, you could say Adamic covenant That's as it. well. Yeah, because, I think there are two names. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So then you have the Noahic covenant, which is summarized in the rainbow. Yep. Um, and then you get the Abrahamic covenant, which this is the one in, in the later times we will refer to this part of the story, the foundational part of Israel as uh, Abraham, our fathers, the patriarchy, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so poor Ishmael. Let's go ahead. Well, okay. So man, man, I really am. I'm just a Bible nerd. Uh, this is hard for me. See, Sorry, did y'all see that? I, I I was I showed him a shiny thing, and, and I, was, I like, was about to take a rabbit trail. <laughs> I, like, I can talk about it. yeah. Okay, nope, nope. We're staying on track. So, um, this covenant with Abraham that he's going to have all these sons, and that the world, the earth is going to populate through him is what 
becomes one of the premier covenants of Israel. Yep. He has a son named Isaac through his daughter. He also has one named Ishmael, as Adam alluded to, which be, which ends up being the father of uh, Islam, as legend goes. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean... Well, these are Abrahamic religions. Sure, sure, sure. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are all Abrahamic religions. You Definitely. You tie them back together, and Ishmael is the source of... Good old Papa Abraham. Yes. So, anyways... Sarah yes. never gets no credit. No, no. Sarah never... Well, why, why well, are we talking Sarah about Sarah also Sarah, kicked Mar- that woman Sarah. out. Sarah also is the one that harmed Hagar. She pimped don't her. Think, don't think that Sarah's some innocent woman. She pimped her. She pimped her. I understand. But also, Abraham pimped Sarah twice to kings in unknown lands. But see, but, but mother, mother Sarah... I, mother Sarah <laughs> had many sons, and many sons had mother Sarah. Why, why not? Go ahead. Go ahead. Proceeding on. Go ahead. So you go on and you get to Jacob. So he has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Mm -hmm. And Jacob continues this line. And Jacob ends up having. Mm -hmm. You mean Leah. Leah ends up having. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm sorry. Leah has a kid <laughs> that's I think, right? irrelevant to the story because it really matters about the kid that came through Rachel, which is <laughs> the next one. <laughs> so uh, I met Rachel. <laughs> I know he met Rachel, but two degrees over here has forgotten a few things over his years off. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, tell your story, tell your story, get me out of this. Okay, so moving forward, you the Genesis story ends in a weird place. It actually ends with Joseph. Mm. Now, if I you remember when I was talking about the patriarchy? Yeah. What's the patriarchy? The worst. No, no. <laughs> The biblical patriarchy are what characters? Yeah, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But not Joseph? Why not? Because he had that coat of many colors. He was queer. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Look at you just putting stuff out there like that as a satirical oh, uh, joke that the audience may not catch. Oh, oh now, I, now I'm problematic. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, no. Yeah, why not, Joseph? Um. Well, Joseph's not a patriarch he's not where the line goes he ends up being pharaoh's right hand man the story continues on it's not about joseph mm-hmm. so why mm-hmm. joseph mm-hmm. to end the story of genesis and he clearly uh, is not relevant to the exodus story which would be your most logical answer i mean it wasn't i, I mean might remind you. <laughs> i mean he he get he he gets them there well but but i guess the family he's gets not though yeah you're because right because right, right. exodus one no he is they give nope his, nope okay, nope ahead, nope Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Now a new king arose over Egypt. And he did not know Joseph. That's right. So Joseph's irrelevant to the Exodus story. I'm just saying he's the one who took him to Egypt in the first place. So why should Joseph in Genesis? Because he's the only character in the damn story that didn't pursue power and was given it. He is the fulfillment to the story. Of so the Genesis. story is the over. Threefold. He's pattern. the Christ figure. 
He's the Christ figure of Genesis, which then gets perpetuated and launched so the, into the New Testament and so the author, as Jesus. The author of Genesis goes, yeah, this is the end because it's fulfilled. Damn. No, but no, but the end of that. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Story. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, we now have seen the character that solves this problem. Narrative resolution. Yeah, narrative resolution. And so then Exodus picked up and goes, hey, there's a king that no longer knew about Joseph. It doesn't matter. He's not relevant to the story anymore. Moving on. Moving on. Part two. The real part was about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for the historical part. But not Joseph. But Joseph is the end to the story of Genesis. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So then interesting. Exodus shows up. And we all remember the Exodus story, right? Moses... This crazy beginning story gets the call after he murders someone from this burning bush that's not consumed and goes and calls down these 10 plagues on Egypt uh, so that they will let the the Israelite people that are enslaved, they're free. It is a, dude, the Exodus story is wild. It's wild. It, it, it'd be tripping. Thank as, you, Charlton as Heston. Say. Yep. For sure. It, it's wild. Nobody's trying to refute that. It is a wild story for sure burning bushes and excuse me but yeah wild. And first dead born and absolutely anyways, go ahead wild so <clears throat> as the story goes on you have these plagues yeah. that moses is able to call down yeah. from god mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on to the people of israel yep. or the people of egypt mm -hmm. the leaders of egypt now, interestingly, the first like three or four of these plagues, yes, the sorcerers of Pharaoh can also do. They could divine them. They can divinize them. Uh huh. So there, there does appear to be. Remember what I was saying about a cosmic good and a cosmic evil oh. that has some ability to create, like turn, like turn staffs into serpents. Yeah, that was in the Exodus well, movie. I don't that's, know if that was well. That's actually on the God side. That's not really a no. The the anyways. Go ahead. Yeah. Pro, proceed. So, anyways, these divinizers, uh -huh, which uh -huh. are not of God, because they're clearly on the opposite side of God. Aren't they all just practicing witchcraft? Anyways, I mean, go ahead. That's a fair. I mean, maybe I mean, that's a fair assumption. Probs. Anyways, but ahead. I mean, it, yeah, it makes kind of stupid sense for a whoever the source of that witchcraft godness is to be in battle with themselves. Man, I don't know. Man. I'm just saying. Too spiritual for me, bro. So, anyways, <laughs> moving on. So you have that whole scene there with the plagues and, and, and all of that. And then they go, and Moses goes up to the mountain. Yes. Do you remember when they get out? Oh, maybe we should say this. How many people, do you remember how many people leave or how many people we estimate a bunch leave five thousand, five thousand. That's your final guess. <laughs> no, that's, that's how many people Jesus fed. I don't know. Five thousand men. My gosh! Ten, and you were the one <laughs> griping about the patriarchy. Ten thousand. Ten thousand uh, Hebrew. In between thirty-four and thirty-six thousand. Okay. So they leave Egypt, and they go and they get to the base of Mount Sinai. Yep. Right. You remember this? Yes. Um. And Moses goes up to the top, and he's up there for a hot minute. Too long. And he's apparently. having some experiences. He's he's on he's on some uh, psychedelics, hardcore. And he's talking to God. Talking to somebody. And down here, they're making gods. <laughs> they're making gods. Here's the deal: like, images of God. Aaron's ability to get everyone 
who has just left everything they know and love to, to burn up all they gold, all the gold, mm-hmm. all the gold, um, all the gold to make a calf. You know, I don't know. Like maybe that's maybe that's the problem with socialism. You know, the government asks you for all your resources to pool them together, and then they just make a make a calf. There you go. I don't know. Heard it here first from Adam Cheney. Nah, I go back. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think in in this moment, what happens is it's a repetition of the pattern. Okay. They weren't enjoying the comforts that they had. They were questioning God and the structure that God was giving them, even rescuing them out of liberation and bondage. They choose to forsake that to pursue their own power and we might say box or image of what God would fit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is my argument against idolatry is twofold. Number one, you can't make an image of God when one already exists in humans. Ooh, so idolatry doesn't, or at least uh, like oh. physical idolatry doesn't exist. Well, no idolatry definitely exists, but it's just a stupid premise. You can't, yeah, make, yeah, yeah, the yeah, reason yeah, yeah. idolatry is bad is because you can't give an image to God when one already exists right. in humanity. Right, 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 right. Second thing going on with idolatry is is it put God it puts God in a box. Mm-hmm. It literally puts God within confines that God said I cannot be put within. Yeah. God told Moses when Moses asked, "Who do I say sent me?" Yeah. What does he say? Hebrew scholar? Uh I am I am that I am that who I am. I am weird Hebrew preposition. Right. I am, preposition, I am. Right. Demonstrative, not demonstrative, like, no, no yeah, I, I am that M- I am. M- uh, existence. I am being. <laughs> yeah, being, being, being. being existence, yeah. life, but being. being. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dang, did God self-admit to being a panentheist? <laughs> I think God is that the moment <laughs> God self admitted to being the author of existence said, in life. I am existence. Yeah. Oof. I am existence. Okay. So <clears throat> now we're in the phase where we really get to see some of those emotional pieces of God from Genesis one through eleven. Okay. We get to see him show up. He gets angry. He God gets, gets real angry. He gets a when, little. He gets a little violent. When. When they're down there making the calf, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God not a little angry. Oh, uh, also, God not a little violent. Hold on, wait. Also, also, wait. Does God? Sorry, I'm. Does God not know that they're doing it? No, Moses doesn't know that they're doing Moses it. Moses doesn't know they're doing it. God, God tells, tells Moses, Moses, like, "Hey, them fools down there, they're making uh, golden calves." And then Moses gets angry too. He's the one who breaks the tablet. All right, I'm Moses gonna... breaks the tablets. You're right. Moses is the one that breaks the tablets. Um. And so there are multiple times throughout this story um, where God is really, maybe the best word to use is impassioned. Okay. Okay. It shows up as anger Mm -hmm. a lot. Like, can you think of some of the times that God is angry? Like in this in this specific moment in the story? I mean, doesn't he make them drink the golden water, like like the gold filled (laughs) water? Didn't he? Uh, I mean, I guess he gets angry at Moses, right? He curses Moses because he breaks the tablet. Uh huh. Well, he gets angry at the people 
for being dumb, being dumb and making an idol. At one point, he wants to kill him, and Moses talks him out of it. Oh yeah, that's or it. Or talks them out of it. Right. Yeah. There, there are all of these things where you see an all-powerful God that has the ability to liberate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. bring about life and life abundance, and yet still have this impassioned desire for fidelity mm. in a way that doesn't seem to be possible for the humans, right? Because even just down there, right? You, they can clearly see stuff happening. Moses came down from that mountain and it was scorched. Moses came down from that mountain and he was glowing. Yeah. There's clearly stuff happening up there and they make a golden calf. Ten plagues. Mm-hmm. Clearly something's happening. Make a golden calf. God gets angry and impassioned. The Old Testament's the only time you ever get langu- language of a jealous God. Okay. The The Old Testament is the really impassioned God that would love someone so much that they would murder them so because this, they cheated. This is a really unhealthy God, emotionally, mentally. Uh <laughs> It, unable, it could it could appear that way for unable sure. Unable to way that regulate. We would communicate it now that we would say that. This guy Back is then, unable. An ancient, an ancient world people. I don't think they would say that. They would say that's a dedicated God. That's, that's a God that loves me more than anything else. That's dumb. But that's we would bad. to now we would now say it's not a healthy God. That yeah, that's a God who yeah, that's like an anxious attachment. <laughs> like there's some problems there. Yeah, and so that are manifesting in violence. as evidenced in the conquest narrative yeah now i will say there is this one unique hidden nugget that if we're gonna do bible nugget see look that should be one of the buttons bible nugget wait wait hold on the last one was oh beer nugget nugget. we should call them cullen nuggets cullen nuggets is that gross let us know Actually, let Adam know. Nuggets. Let Adam know. Okay, we're gonna send work on this it. to his IG. We're gonna we're gonna work on it. Go ahead. Sorry, I forgot okay, where we were. So, moving along, you get this conquest, which I should point out that remember when Noah cursed his innocent grandson Canaan? Yeah, it was messed up. Real messed up, right? Genocide's messed up too. Correct. Genocide, real messed up. <laughs> What's the promised land that they're promised that they're going to conquer? Uh, the land of Canaan. Oh, which is the oh. kid who was innocent, who was cursed by it. So fulfillment. Okay. So yeah. it's God writing wrongs that God did not do. By genociding the native okay. population that lives on the land? Same team, bro. I hear you. I hear you. This an is problematic. An impassioned God. An unhealthy child. An impassioned God who also happens to be all-powerful, which we've seen a dime a dozen in husbands that love their wives and end up killing their wives when they find out they're cheating on them. Yeah, 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 but we don't worship them. Nope, you're right. Or offer them sacrifice and and our money. And God figured that out too. I know. You got to get to the New Testament. God figured that out too. Yeah. And that's why God gave us the New Testament. The New Testament is an experience where God themselves says, hey, all this stuff I've been doing to try to right this wrong, to fix this nonsense. Nonsense. Hadn't been cutting it. 
And, you know, if we had more time, I might talk about David because David's a big piece of this. David David. is, yeah, is the, the next big covenant outside the Abrahamic covenant that shows up. And he's supposed to be the goodness of people, right? No man in all of the Bible except David is called a man after God's own heart. And he's a rapist. He's a murdering rapist. Even that man can't measure up to the standard of God. Um, Yeesh. And so God says, you know what? All this evil, all this violence, all this nonsense. We're going to quit all that. Um, the only way to conquer this is for me to do it myself. I can't keep relying on kings like David or fallible humans like Abraham. So I'm going to be one of them? I'm going to do it. I'm going to make myself into what I made them. And I'm going to go do this thing and from show them birth how to, do to it end. Nope. Not show them how to do it better. I'm just not going to let the evil darkness, the ground of death, have say and dominion over me. Hmm. And that character is Jesus. And uh, then Jesus... Jesus! Goes and endures... All the suffering. Okay, remember we were talking about the difference between evil and suffering, right? Yeah. Evil is the act that's that is caused that creates experiences of suffering. Grief, harm, pain, all of that. Uh-huh, that's uh-huh, suffering. Uh-huh. So the evil is Rome trying the evil is Rome crucifying Jesus. The suffering is the pain and harm that came to him and everyone else. Uh, that's a great endorsement of uh, being anti-death penalty, by the way, right there. Oh, well, actually, the greater endorsement of being anti-death penalty is if we truly believe that God is capable of forgiveness and truly offering of grace, then who are we to take away someone's opportunity for grace? Oh, and the crowd goes wild. Okay, sorry. So it's uh, getting late in the hour. Yeah. So Jesus shows up on scene as this endurer of the suffering. Okay. So you remember I made the argument that sometimes there's no way to defeat an enemy except for you to do the thing that they do. Uh, I don't remember that. So that seems problematic. Well, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, and you made the same joke last time, but it's, Yay! The, it's the best one I can come up with. I'm sure you're going to make it. Um, it comes from Frozen. <laughs> Let it go. And when she sacrificed herself in order to conquer, yeah. right? She, the powerful one, sacrifices, Elsa. gives of herself yes. to save another, and they both live. That oh. is a conquering. Oh, wait, hold on. You mean Anna? Sacrificing herself for for Elsa. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, yes. Yeah. Go ahead. So the conquering through sacrifice yes. element okay. is a common theme. Okay, okay. You could couple that even further by saying someone must die according to a certain person's hand. Right. This may be a common okay. one in uh, in literature, or you could also accompany it to someone must do this. Um, in a way that they die by the same medium. So maybe like if someone is a maker of a bomb or something, right? Like they die by the bomb or, you know, 
inventor iRobot, right? Invent a robot, mm -hmm. the robot kills you, you know, zombies, whatever. You know, there's lots of different ways it appears. Uh, but I think that's the same kind of thing that's happening in the story is that God must let death win so that God can conquer. If they have an ultimate power that God seems to have the opposite of in life, mm -hmm. and they have death, then God themselves must experience death in order to shine through or overtake death, to break through the death ceiling. Mm. I'm trying to use lots of different metaphors to communicate what I'm saying, but I think what the story is telling you is that death always beats a human. God themselves must experience death in order to bring forth life from that death, in order to conquer. And that's the Jesus piece. Yeah. And that character must endure suffering, must endure the evil, must endure the pain in order Luke, to be able to do that. Luke Skywalker has to have his hand cut off by his father, come to terms with he, the fact that he is the son of the dark side, and has to confront himself in the dark side itself. Has to go through the suffering, has to go through the dark side, has to experience the dark side to be able to be the fullest uh, manifestation or fulfillment of the light side. I think that's fair. Uh, it's Luke Skywalker, man. Yeah, I, it's the hero's journey. I've never watched Star Wars. I know. I, know, I gotta pick some. We we have I to do think, discover what we both know. Uh, well, I just don't watch TV. Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's different. Go ahead. Uh, Game of Thrones. I don't know that that follows the hero's journey. It doesn't. Well, only, well, well also, you haven't seen the end, so we well, can't I talk about it. I have seen the end. Oh. I've watched it all the way through. Oh, but maybe we're going to spoil it for some people who know yeah. us. So Go ahead. Anyways, moving okay. on. Anyways, um, I think the, the point of it all is that <clears throat> what you see. It's what you get. No, what you see in the Old Testament is you see a God that is really impassioned, and Adam used the language of unhealthy. Yeah. I think that's probably a fair assessment. Emotionally and as mentally 20, unhealthy. As a 21st century reader looking back on it, it's yes. an unhealthy relationship. Definitely. But if you look at it in the New Testament, you wouldn't say that. I can't, though. You're asking me to have a perspective. Uh, go ahead. No, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just making the comment that you. if you, you look at the God presented in the New Testament, you no longer have those same qualms. I got you. Open oh, yeah, theism yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. and panentheism specifically with um, Moltmann's contribution of self-limitation, this frees that up for you. It yeah. makes space for God to have that level of change. Yeah. It allows an it's, it's almost evolutionary. Uh like the, like God is evolving. God is growing. Learning. Yeah, learning. And, yeah. Well, yeah. So the, I used to say learning and I think because we keep going with knowledge metaphors and open theism conversations, I think it's helpful to continue with the concept of God as learning or knowledge. Oh, that's uh, good. I at see least the, mean. at least the main cognate. I got you. I got framework. you. Yeah. But I do think that it is evolutionary. I do think God is evolving and progressing and God is fighting a war. Interesting. God God does not know how to solve the ultimate problem right out of the gate. And, you know, I've, I've used this analogy before that sometimes it's appropriate to just do intel. Mm. 
to play defense and mm-hmm. take in intel, gain intelligence about how to defeat an enemy. Yeah. And I think that's the world we live in right now. I think that's what all millennialism tells us. <clears throat> that we that we've already lived through Nero and all of this and we're now waiting a time for God to enact final return which will happen at whatever point god determines that will be the end which means until then the final assault we're intel gathering god's waiting to figure out when they should launch their final attack we don't know when that will be but the next episode we're going to start the human conversation which i will argue we have a part to play in this war like, subscribe, and share. Ooh, I hate that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.